0: Welcome into the Valley News Live Sports overtime podcast. It's a it's a different feel this week, a different vibe mm-hmm. because it's it's game week. Finally, yes. we made it yes. back. North Dakota State opening their season this weekend. We had a lot of action last weekend as well, still even without the Bison in action. So, we'll get to that in a moment, but of course, the task at hand, North Dakota State getting ready to open the year in a really big way. Devin Fry joined by Jack Wallace. Jack, we're making our first trip to uh, U.S. Bank Stadium this weekend. Well, to see a, a to see a North Dakota State game.
1: Yeah, no, well, it's a first trip for anyone to see a college football game at U.S. Bank Stadium. That uh, was just to point it out because it was exciting to see. But I think it was uh, a, a poll by The Athletic that pointed out U.S. Bank Stadium as their number one stadium in the league. Nice. Which, uh, as someone that's been to a decent chunk on the list, like Atlanta <laughs> Stadium, Dallas, is like they're – There's some really good stadiums up there, and U.S. Bank is quite the treat to get to go see a game there. So now for a college crowd, it'll be kind of neat to just see the green and gold be there instead of purple. And there should be a good contingent of North Dakota State fans. Of course, Mm -hmm. we don't know what the numbers look like yet at
0: this point. Uh, From what we've seen on, like, Ticketmaster sites, it doesn't look completely full yet, but a lot of fans, I I know our Bison fans very well, a lot of them are going to (laughs) be getting them from the building itself. Yeah, that's true. uh, It should be a pretty good contingent of... North Coast State fans there. I don't know how well uh, Eastern Washington is going to travel, but I it's, imagine for the athletic just named it the top stadium in the country. They got to make a little trip out there.
1: I sure hope so. But
0: uh, we'll see. We'll see again. Which uh, we know North Coast State fans will be there. We'll see what Eastern Washington does. Now it's it's a little bit more of a of a trip for our our friends from Cheney there. I'm um, so seeing
1: the exact drive. Well, it's 20 hours and 34 minutes, so that is a little just a little bit of time because it uh, turns out Montana is quite a big state. So yeah, yeah. you gotta get
0: through the whole thing. You can't just get like halfway yeah, through
1: Montana. That, that's a good way. There will be people. There will be folks who make that drive and won't fly. I'm certain there will be and I commend them more than anyone else there honestly because that is a drive that I do not envy even though but it is through a pretty beautiful part of the country. I hope. Summer. I hope most of them fly, but we'll yeah, see. You I'd know, if there's eagles. You <laughs> they could fly. fly. Yeah,
0: yeah, they're birds. Perhaps. Uh, North Dakota State versus Eastern Washington. That is such a very like when that game got announced as taking place, it became an extremely hot ticket. Uh, two historical programs in the FCS level. Um, of course, Eastern Washington, known for playoff runs, the Bison, known for winning national championships, um, and you know, it's the two top conferences again in the fcs again no offense to our socon fans or anybody else out there i know everyone has their own opinions but when you look at just who's competing for national championships and who's competing in the playoffs Most every
1: metric you can measure right it's the
0: big stay. sky and the missouri valley and so those two conferences have some good represent, representation here and this is just uh, uh the tip of the iceberg for uh, uh mountain west or mountain west the missouri Valley. Uh, Stay tuned. Maybe some <laughs> <laughs> for the Missouri Valley and the Big Sky, of course. Uh, South Dakota State, Montana State, okay. going head to head early uh, later this year as well. So just a lot to look forward to. But it all starts at US Bank Stadium. You know, I played in uh, the Twin Cities in college once. Uh, we played some. We played some team from Iowa. Uh, I don't even remember who it was, but it was. It made the Metrodome was like the middle point, and so we yep. leased out the Metrodome. We got they didn't let us change in the players' locker rooms. We had to use like the cheerleader locker rooms, which was cool. We were still in the Metrodome. Um, still counts. There were about uh, a couple, a few hundred people <laughs> in there, and so it was just echoing off of every surface. In. Every but every single person I was on that Mayville State team with has a picture somewhere on their social media of them warming up at US Bank Stadium because we were I mean, or at uh, the Metrodome because we can't were just wait. so excited. No and none of us have come close to an nfl stadium again so i mean it uh it works out we'll go ahead and mute that sound there but no eastern washington uh historically a power they may be kind of limping into this one this year uh they went three and eight last season they were picked to finish seventh in the big sky coming into this year uh new faces too so we don't necessarily know what we're gonna get from them they have a new offensive coordinator and uh just plenty of uh spots to fill up on that roster but thankfully with them being so young That may mean that we may see some big improvements from last year, but again, we just don't know what we're gonna see with this group
1: right now. Well, even looking at the history of these two teams, they've only played each other a grand total of five times coming into this game. And two of those five times were either playoffs or the national championship, one of them being sort of a funny matchup in the spring season. That's spring 2021 after COVID or kind of during right, COVID, yep. really. And I remember that. <laughs> so sort of those meetings during all that, they have only met twice actually during the months of essentially August through November, really the normal months for football, both of which were in September and both of which the Bison won. That was in 2016, 2017. They hadn't played each other since that weird COVID spring season, which was yeah. April 2021, late yep. April for these two teams. Cam so. Miller's first,
0: uh, first start. Why is Siri talking to me right now?
1: (laughs) Siri's excited as well. (laughs) Siri's also very excited for
0: this game. All of my electronics are going off all at once right now. But no, I think that uh, that Eastern Washington game was Cam Miller's first official start in that uh, bizarre COVID season. Which even with
1: that game, Eastern Washington led by seven at the end of the first quarter. NDSU led by only one at halftime. And the Bison would win by 22 at a the end of the game. massive so second half. It's coming from, so, you know, it's one of these games coming from behind and sort of getting their act together and winning, which you can sort of see a little bit, of the, not surprising, that was sort of the Cam Miller game of sort of right. getting punched in the mouth early and sort of going like, whoa, okay, and getting now back up we go. Right. And, and winning. And again, as you said, this isn't exactly the Eastern Washington team that we're used to from the past. That They... They're kind of in a funny limbo of a state right now, but that even means even more for NDSU to come in and just absolutely make this as clean and stress free of a game as they can. Because if you can just get this done, you have the next few weeks are not particularly difficult. Not marquee games. They're not not really huge, huge games, and you want to go into that sort of much tougher late September, early October period where the games are going to get hyped up and and have a lot of tough teams in that sort of three, four game stretch in the midseason and looking at East, where Eastern Washington finished last year you
0: you said it perfectly it's not quite the Eastern Washington that we are used to seeing they were 11th out of 12 teams in the big sky on defense uh, on defensive statistics and 8th on offense and when i think of Eastern Washington i think of big offenses on the red turf and so mm-hmm. that we'll we'll see what the the new faces bring to the table this year we uh, look forward to this one of course it's ndsu's first regular season neutral site game since they played uh, butler at target field on in 2019 well if it means so. anything
1: with the scoring thing i looked up their own stats on their website eastern washington only scored 10 touchdowns on the ground last season they allowed 34 wow okay so that
0: that's probably going to be an area that they've uh, hof- uh, tried to address we'll see how
1: that passing, comes around passing the with, same yeah that's amazing yeah. they both they allowed 25, they scored 25 through that the air. fascinating. So I'm saying the running attack, It's if, it, if it's a repeat of last season, we know teams change, if it's a repeat of last season, then NDSU's licking their chops. Let's
0: hope for a big uh, a big Tameric Williams game right off the bat. Lots get of highlights that, going. Get that, Walter. <laughs> yeah, let's just hope for a lot of highlights in the first half. Yes. I'm being selfish about that one. Uh, we talked a little bit to head coach Matt Entz about this contest yesterday in our first weekly presser of the season, and uh, here's what he had to say about this matchup.
2: Good to see everyone, good afternoon. Uh, Excited to be here, Uh, excited for the season to get going. Uh, Excited to play in an NFL venue uh, down in Minneapolis here in about five days. So um, a a lot of things to look forward to, Uh, a lot of things to find out about the current team that we have right now. You always uh, anticipate you're going to be prepared, but there's going to be things that pop up, uh, issues, situations that, that arise on any given Saturday. Uh, We feel like we've done a good job of preparing this group. They've had great energy, um, great focus throughout the uh, entire three weeks, three and a half weeks leading up to this game. So really look forward to it. I know we have a, um, you know, I I think Coach Best does a really good job out at Eastern Washington. I know um, just from the expectations that program, I'm sure last year didn't uh, uh, go as planned. But you look at the number of close games they had, uh, I anticipate a a much improved defense. Uh, I know offensively. They can challenge you uh, just with their tempo with the number of skilled athletes they have a new quarterback very little film on him but i do know uh, he can not only hurt you with his arm but with his feet as well um, you know four of five offensive linemen returning uh, a number of skilled kids on the defensive side uh, looks like they have some veteran presence at all levels uh, so it's going to be a, a challenging game uh, i don't think we've ever uh, played Eastern Washington and, and ever felt like it wasn't gonna be challenging. We're gonna have to play really good football in all three phases. Um, the word complementary football uh, has been echoed numerous times throughout our facility and we will continue to echo it uh, as this season or as this week uh, goes on. Uh, we need all three phases to, to help one another. Um, and uh, for us to do that, we, we have to be really well prepared. Uh, we need to understand all our checks, all our adjustments throughout the course of the game. and. Uh, We need to be superior at the fundamentals of the game. We need to be able to get off blocks, tackle. Uh, We need to be able to maintain blocks, um, catch, run, all that stuff. Uh, All the things that sometimes you take for granted, we need to do it at a really high level. With that, I'll, I'll open it up for questions
0: start the year with that destination game aspect. What does it mean for not just you guys, but for the program as a whole to kind of get the season going on such a high note? Well, it's a
2: unique opportunity. Uh, it's not something that we've, I think the last time we did this was 2019 back in Minneapolis. And With the the volume of kids we have, not just from the, the metropolitan area, but also from the, from the state of Minnesota. I think I counted, what, 16 or 17 guys in our two deep, probably, that are from Minnesota. Uh, it has, it has a ton of value, uh, especially when you start talking about recruiting as well. Uh, I think it's probably uh, the area of our, our greatest alumni uh, population. Uh, and so another opportunity for our, our alumni to be engaged with our football program and also to engage with one another. And so I see it as a, a win-win. Uh, now, we got to go down there and play really well. we got to go down there and uh, enjoy the opportunity, but we got to make the most of it as well. Uh, the offensive line battle and why Sundell at left tackle and Brandon at center. Well, over the course of the last couple years, uh, you know Brandon's played a lot of games for us at center and has started uh, a number of big games for us. Uh, and and we've been able to, to to win with him at center. He does a nice job of you know all the things that are required. Uh, ID and protections, ID in the run game. Uh, he, he's in tune with, with Cam, our quarterback. And uh, Jalen is a very talented athletic player. Uh, I think it'd be silly for us not to have our five best players out there. And so that, what you're seeing is just us trying to find ways to get the five best players out there. And um, this isn't the first time we've ever done anything like that. Uh, it may be first time with the offensive line, but there's been other positions where we've had to adjust people or, or move people around to get you know, our most talented players on the field.
0: Or especially recently, a group you can kind of shuffle around, find guys in different spots. What's it say about that group that each of them are able to step up at different spots on the line? Well, I think it
2: says, you know, a couple things. Uh, one, the willingness just to, to be good. Uh, coach, it doesn't matter where I play. Uh, if I'm playing right tackle this snap and I play center the next snap, whatever I need to do to help this football team be successful. So, probably a great example of Bison Pride, as we would, you know, define it in our, in our meeting rooms or in our team room. Uh, but also, I, I have to give kudos and, and some credit to Coach Larson. Has uh, done a great job of moving people around day to day, week to week, so we could have this opportunity. You have to prepare for what-ifs, too. Um, we play a physical brand of football. We play a, a line of scrimmage-oriented philosophy is, is what we execute here at NDSU. Uh, and we have to be prepared for... What happens if a helmet comes off? Well, who are we replacing? Who's the sixth guy? Who's the next tackle? Uh, do we get an ogre? What does that look like? Um, and so throughout the, the duration of fall camp, we've tried to challenge our guys. And when you have you know three, and you can even say you, know, four, you know, four or five veterans that are here, uh, they, they should be at a point in their career where we can challenge them a little bit.
0: As opposed to say what I've seen the last few years of just a non conference game at home. Kind of what's the biggest difference been for you guys leading into this uh, first game? We can- well, of That's course, the
2: travel is, is going to be slightly different. And I mean, you, you know, anytime you're not staying in town, but that would be the, the main one. Uh, just uh, making sure we have everything. We have some first time uh, players, uh, first time staff members on our team, so making sure everyone has. You know, kind of what the logistics look like, what the details are in the travel, uh, all, you know, meeting time, what they need to pack, uh, some of those things that are, you know, the the typical fans not going to see. Those are probably the things that uh, make me a little bit nervous.
0: Starting the year on a big stage against a relatively unknown offense, how much more important do those fundamentals become?
2: Well, you, you always want to be superior in the fundament, especially uh, when you're playing a no huddle team. Uh, you know, I think the reasons why teams jump into no huddle or into tempo, because uh, they want to create poor communication. Uh, they want to get you off your spots, get you uncomfortable. Uh, it's not necessarily they're looking to beat you with, with technique. They're looking to beat you with errors. And so we have made a huge priority of we need to be fundamentally superior in this game. And, and what's that look like? Getting off blocks, tackling. Uh, maintaining blocks, making catches, making the throws, just the basic fundamentals. You know, Now, the first part of your question, I don't think this is an unknown offense. Uh, I think every kid on our team realizes the, the tradition, the success that Eastern Washington's had, not only at the quarterback position, but also at the wide receiver position. Uh, we quickly reminded them how talented they've been in the past. So I don't think there's a, a soul in our football facility that's overlooking this opportunity. All right, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Well, we'll expect to hear more
0: from the Bison throughout this week. Of course, we're talking to the players today, and we'll hear from them later on on Valley News Live. I'm going to plug my own sportscast on my podcast. Well, there you go. Because I'm allowed to do It'll that. It'll work out. Um, other North Dakota State news. Volleyball. Heck of a way to start their season. Dominating the Vandal Invitational. Now starting the season at 3-0, and and none of the games were really particularly close no, either.
1: 3-1 win, 3-1 win.
0: 3-1 win. Perfect. All you, three in a row. Uh, almost perfect. You could, you could <laughs> I guess, you could I guess demand sweeps if you wanted to. Which,
1: which they haven't done yet, which I know is <laughs> like, uh, oh oh boy, I haven't had a sweep when you 3-0. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, UC Riverside, Seattle, and Idaho were the three teams, uh, of course, hosted by Idaho. So they played all three of those teams. Uh, wrapping up that tournament, they have the Dayton tournament in Dayton, Ohio, up against Butler, the host Dayton, and then Ohio university the bobcats uh those three games will happen this friday and saturday which uh unfortunately don't uh, help us a lot of right just how much we have with our friday show and then of course saturday's an all-day event in us bank stadium but uh we'll try to get to as much as we can when they get back home that's in a couple weeks their home opener up against portland state toledo and then they'll uh I think they're just the winners playing that game. Correct. It's another little tournament. These yeah. invitationals tend to work like that. The NDSU tournament as it's yeah. called on their schedule. So be
0: fun. They, they, they we can we can gussy up the name a little bit. That's my only complaint. NDSU, you work on that. <laughs> you are here first. Uh fun. So the, the Bison soccer team got their first win of the season on Friday night over Austin P. They then lost to Drake, but they got that uh, win under their belt they were they had a tie and a loss going into the weekend so one two and one to start the year and now we're gonna make a quick drive up north well not literally just kind of a, a figurative not yet at least a podcast <laughs> drive we'll make an actual drive up north coming up soon uh no uh UND football they start their season at home always a good sign when UND gets to play in the Alaris center um especially doing so early they're going to be opening the action up against drake uh jack you were just up there for media day uh kind of what were your big impressions from what you've uh kind of seen from this team just in you know the the, the little bit that we've seen and heard from them obviously in the offseason
1: they're kind of a it's, it's a funny situation because you know you hear from coaches and players every year which they said too of like this team's different this year's yep. different this bit is but the funniest thing is that if you look at UND season last season, I think it would be, it would be kind of hard to qualify that as anything less than a mild success. Right. You had a winning yep. schedule, you played in a very hard conference, you took NDSU to a somewhat close game at points, you played South Dakota State, mostly close throughout the game, and again, you had to go to Fargo and you had South Dakota State at right. home, but the alair center is still the fortress that it always was even taking the best team in the country with sdsu down to the fourth quarter yeah played a great game and now you come into the season with a good amount of your guys back and yeah you're missing guys like garrett mogg and they're not every piece is bad but a lot of guys are back and especially uh, i don't mean to interrupt you uh, but you know especially like in the uh, the lines
0: yes. the offensive and defensive lines yes up front and then that front seven on defense they seem to be pretty uh, uh,
1: put together okay and then, even if you look at their first, and I know FCS, you can't evenly split it with 11 games, but even if you just look at their first five games, how much of an absolutely wild roller coaster it is. You have Drake starting off. That is not super great in the Pioneer League, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And then you have Northern Arizona, a relatively tougher team that UND played great in one of the honestly one of the best games of the season they played. And
0: it's that's honestly that that harkens back to the Big Sky days, and they they yeah. the the fans also get very hyped up for uh, Northern Arizona games. So yeah,
1: and then that's that's a big game. Then you go to Boise State in the blue turf, jump I'm thrilled about. Then you go to South Dakota State in Brookings. That's, tough. that's a tough stretch of the schedule. That's a hard at two Boise and then at south coast and state. then right after that you play western illinois that last season was one of the weaker teams in all of fcs and is is in fact did poorly enough in there that they're they're leaving, leaving yeah, the whole yeah. conference which not to talk about it but like <laughs> it, just, it wasn't working out no and so you have sort of these very funny up and down games of these super super winnable games at home that would almost be surprising if you were to drop any of them right. and then these gauntlets on the road and then even the rest of the season the, the other road game they play they then have north dakota state at home obviously very tough team but you're at home right northern iowa that is looks like they're going to be one of the better teams in the conference on the road then indiana state who's again this sort of weaker team at home so they, they had this funny stretch and the biggest thing that i talked about with with the guys there um which is sort of an overarching thing was you have six home games because even after all that you have a couple more road and then illinois state ends the season which is a tougher team they had a pretty like they had some good games in there but isn't a world beater, right, right, and you have the schedule where it is absolutely possible for them to win all of their home games, if not maybe in D S U, but they give it room for their money. Yep, yep. the Alara Center is always a good equalizer.
0: They, the two years ago in the the strange COVID season, they went undefeated at home. Uh, the year after that, they had one loss at home. Uh, the year, season after that, one loss at home once again. So yeah. they don't tend to lose in the Alaris Center. So they can win a lot of games. So starting the year at home against an opponent like Drake, it's kind of the opposite approach of what you know. NDSU, it looked like NDSU attempted to do with the scheduling of Eastern Washington in U.S. Bank Stadium right away. That one's more of a destination game for the fans and for the players that they recruit. They could say, hey, we get these opportunities. UND, this seems more like a traditional not-to-call-Drake-a-tune-up game. Uh, no disrespect to the Drake Bulldogs of course but uh, it, they're going to have an opportunity to work some kinks out in a very winnable game as you called it at home and
1: so. and they should sort of have that down in northern arizona i would think the same too it's a team that they've had this experience against they played a great game it was it was just as crazy back and forth and were able to close it out on the road and again you look at the schedule and like let's say for just for the sake of the argument, they sweep their home slate, and, yeah. which includes NDSU. But let's let's say they, they sweep that. You only got to win one road game to match your record from last season. And I think if you're going to win all those games, you're probably going to win more than one road game. Right. And in that case, it's like UND is sort of set up to – have a much bigger improvement in the last season, which I think even regardless of the Bison game, they should have a better season than last season. And I think last season wasn't even bad. So no, it's, no. it's an and exciting they, time. They,
0: they've also become a, a playoff team. UND yes. is now yes. a playoff. We They're expect expected. them to make the playoffs every year. And so that's been a very cool thing to see that kind of grow. And of course, uh, speaking of uh, you up in media day, talk to Quincy Vaughn about his move to tight end. I know we've kind of, beat that to death here, but you get to see the full story in and of itself on uh, Valley News Live coming up this week, so be sure to stay tuned. Uh, UND Volleyball in action over the weekend, starting the year, uh, they're going to have a hill to climb from this one, starting their year in a tournament going 0-3 there. Nowhere to go but up, which is nice. Yeah, Um,
1: it's a tough start, but again, it's good that they have a long season. Yeah, yeah, a very long season.
0: Women's soccer, they're in the exact same position that North Dakota State was. They're starting the year at 1-2-1. Their one win was over uh, MSUM. They tied Austin P. Speaking of MSUM, we're going to move on to some other uh, college teams in our area. But I guess before I get into MSUM and Concordia starting their season this weekend, we had ourselves the paint bucket game. Uh, Oh, yes. You made a a quick trip to Valley City for the historic matchup, Uh, Valley City State and Jamestown. One of the longest rivalries in our area um, is they met for, I don't want to call it my favorite trophy because uh, MSUM and Bemidji State have a giant axe, if I recall.
1: Which is cool, and yeah, I have seen. Cool. I was at that game, and I was able to witness the axe in person. I think Barnesville and Holly
0: have a giant, like, oar as well. That might be one too. two. So,
1: yeah, there are a lot of cool trophies in our area,
0: <laughs> but a paint bucket.
1: That's got to be pretty high up it, there. It was pretty neat, and that game was a lot of fun. It wasn't as insane as the game last season, which is a little unfair because right. that was where yeah you the, can't <laughs> compare it to
0: an overtime classic. It, it was a unbelievable. Rude, so no, but.
1: this game was a little clear, but it was sort of a funny game because the Jimmies got started off with a 53-yard touchdown, yeah, and and made a two-point conversion off a of fake play, which <laughs> I was sort of like. Okay. Yeah, it was just a direct bet. snap
0: and he just kind of took it himself, right?
1: Well, yeah. and then with under a minute to go in the half, then VCSU responds, doesn't go for two, so they're still down seven at halftime, and then the game just blew up. Yep. I mean, thirteen points for VCSU in the third, another three added on by the Vikings in the fourth, and all of a sudden and and the Jimmies did score again, but it ended up being an eight point win in a game that really throughout the second half, even though it was only a one score difference, it was one hundred percent Vikings yeah. by that time, yeah. at home,
0: too. And, you know, the score can be whatever it is. The momentum is the biggest factor for any of that. And um, it was also kind of a comeback for Avery Thorsgard. He got the starting job last season, but got hurt last season in as his well. his first
1: career start, which right. was
0: against Jamestown. And so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, he showed some flashes last season, but then was able to come back in full force for this game. 190 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I think he also uh, led the t- he might have led the team in rushing or maybe was high yeah no he led the team in rushing as well with 80 yards there and so uh, like nine um, attempts yeah so a yeah. big a big coming out party for Avery Thorsgaard. and yeah no uh, Valley City for them for me at Mayville State beating Valley City was our big game for Valley City beating Jamestown is their big game and so it, it's it's good to start the year off with a rivalry win of course now they head to South Dakota Mines in Rapid City, South Dakota. Uh, We have some friends down there who could probably hook us up with highlights. I'm just keeping that in mind for myself. So (laughs) if you're listening to this, Vic, I would love highlights from (laughs) Valley City State against School of Mines. Uh, Jamestown now. I'm looking up to see where they go as they continue their season of course at a at the d3 level they're going to be at midland university in nebraska so uh that's going to be on saturday (laughs) yeah yeah everyone's hitting the road concordia and msum also starting their seasons on the road msum playing wayne state they're actually going to start our year for us a little bit early in wayne nebraska on thursday night some thursday night lights for our uh, NSIC
1: teams fun so. but unusual so it's nice <laughs> to see them getting that kind of game it's actually the uh, it's the only game of the season that's not a Saturday at noon one or two <laughs> so it's <laughs> so that, they're different. consistent
0: except for this 6 p.m. Thursday game
1: which yeah, is little strange
0: uh, speaking of consistency though the Concordia covers uh, starting the year on Saturday at 1 p.m. they're gonna be playing Wisconsin Claire so we're gonna be keeping up with as much of that as we can of course very busy for your boys with uh <laughs> with high school football starting and uh, i don't want to jump too far ahead of ourselves but uh minnesota high school football starts on thursday as mm-hmm. well so it, it's just kind of football day in minnesota lots of things football well it should be a thing if it's not, not a thing, thing. <laughs> we're gonna make it a thing i know hockey night's a thing we're gonna go ahead and uh get uh football night started um and one last look through for our other uh college teams in the area msum volleyball they start their season on Friday night as well. I believe more tournament action. So just tournaments for makes sense all before of non teams.
1: before non conference ends. Most of that slate tends to be right. tournaments for all these teams. Um, all right, let's move on to high school sports. We had a heck
0: of a Friday night uh, for week one. Our three A teams back in action, get kind of joining the fray a little bit here, and we were busy. We were busy boys, but uh, not as busy as some of our local teams. Uh, Shanley and Davies are 25th Street friends. They got the win at home over uh, visitors from out west. Shanley defeating Bismarck. Davies with a win over Mandan. Shanley dominated. Davies was a little bit closer than I'm sure they would have wanted, and it was a real defensive battle, especially through the first half of that one. So Davies with a 20-9 to 9 You don't see that scoreline very often.
1: No, it's tricky, but Mandans a pretty solid team. So getting a win like this means a lot, especially for a unit that, in all likelihood, you're not going to see again in the season. And so to get to get a win like that's a pretty big deal. Same thing for Shanley, really sort of hitting Bismarck in the mouth. Obviously Bismarck and Bismarck high with the demons. They're not. Particularly higher up, at least in the out west, um, right. Not in standing, the standings, at least. right. Not so the projections um, coming into the year, it is good for Shanley to get that win. Obviously, Shanley is one of, if not the best team at that level for right. being defending state champs. It's, state champs. it's expected that they will do well, and uh, and same thing for for West Fargo Cheyenne. I mean, the Mustangs having a great season last year, getting cut very short against Century, and uh, come back to Bismarck and play Legacy, not Century, but to get a win like that is meaningful. And then uh, and then West Fargo, who has a solid start and and pretty by far the closest game yeah, that was played and, at that level. Um, probably my
0: favorite kind of game with a, a 46 to 40 shootout. <sighs> there, uh, Century Century appears to be good. West Fargo falling 46 to 42. Century uh, in Bismarck to open up their season. Cheyenne with a win over Bismarck Legacy to open up theirs. So uh, I, I think the biggest takeaway for our 3A teams is they every team in the East appears to be solid. Uh, West Fargo falling to Century, you can't fault them for a forty-six to forty loss. When you score forty points, you should probably win the game. Yeah. So you can't really fault them for that. Uh, Century just appears to be also very good. So um, we'll see how this continues to shake out as we move into the further into the season. They play our three A teams play each other. Yeah, coming Yeah, Sam. Before
1: week, before so. we go to two A uh, with the three A games next week, um, to not focus on the West, but just for the East games. It's a West Fargo hosting Shanley and West Fargo Cheyenne hosting Davies. So those two games, uh, both in West Fargo, which is convenient. Right. but That Very will be. It will make it where it's. Uh, it'll shake out a lot going forward of being like, how come, well can West Fargo shake off that loss? Is Shanley really as good as we all think they are? And same right. thing for Davies and Cheyenne and both winning both looking good, sort of, who just is the better between these two teams that have a strong start. I certainly appreciate that they're playing each other that early. That helps. It helps me. Um,
0: Moving down to the AA level, Fargo North dominated for the second consecutive week, uh, a 48-7 win over Grand Forks Central. Grand Forks Central is coming off of their season opening win. So... Um, I mean, North appears to be the team to beat in AA right now, uh, at least on the EDC side of things. Peter
1: Haugo had e- a lot of fun. And there was a big guy <laughs> touchdown. Watch there our was? highlights Watch our yes. highlights on
0: ValleyNewsLive.com uh, from <laughs> <was> this <laughs> AA game. A blocked punt lands into the hands of a lineman and he takes it to the house. He gets a hurdle in he too. Hurdles he gets over a an hurdle. Opponent. It. It's, it's awesome. It's it's real. <laughs> that's the thing that happened. Um speaking of North and South, Fargo South also dominant uh beating Williston a 318 by 30 points. Uh so North and South it's kind of fun that our our Fargo North and Fargo South both appear to be very good when they inevitably play each other this season. That's going to be <laughs> that's going to be musty TV for sure. Um, fun. Another headline coming out of AA this past week: Grand Forks Red River upsetting defending state champion Jamestown, a 33 to 28 win in Grand Forks. So Red River also starting the year at two and zero. If I had if I had any rankings ability, it would probably go Fargo North, Red River, and Fargo South. Well, so. speaking
1: of those teams, just and this is way looking ahead, but just because I found this happens to be the same week, on September 22nd, which is week five, so ways from now. But just to point it out, not only, not only is that Fargo North, Fargo South play that weekend, but at the same time, Red River, one of the better teams in 11A, I think 11A. I mean it says 11A. Yep, a, a. It says 11A. Right. Here, so I'm <laughs> but in 11AA goes to Cheyenne. Ooh, that is fun. So, how about that for sort of what a crazy game? Yeah, and it works also because uh, Davies, Shanley, and West Fargo were all out west that weekend. Right. So, it makes it where Cheyenne's holding it down here.
0: And it also works because I'll be here this weekend. I won't yes. be there the next weekend. So, <laughs> that would <will> be helpful. <laughs> no, Lots good, of fun games. Good news for that one. Uh, but, yeah, no, and that about does it for our AA level. It looks like. It's going to be a race between North, South and Red River and we'll see who comes out on top. Yeah. Of course that's uh, on the east side of things. Uh I'm still unable to keep up with Bismarck as well as I would like to. And uh moving down to Single A Kindred uh comes in with a marquee matchup for the second week in a row and they dominate this one. They uh, uh with a 41 to 12 victory over Cavalier. Kindred appears to be all the way back. And They're the so, team
1: to beat in the East because yes. uh, Velva, Garrison, Drake, Animus, Amus are just Velva for short. But right. they, uh, <laughs> they, they, uh, they dominated Beulah out West. They're currently, the, at least in terms of the rankings that are on here, are the number one team. Right. Um, which shouldn't be shocking as a defending state exactly. champions. They might have a dynasty starting out there.
0: Uh, so we'll see where that goes. But, of course, out in the East, it looks like Kindred is... 100% back. Central Cast getting their win back, uh, 7 to nothing victory over Oaks.
1: <laughs> hey, weird uh, <laughs> a weird game. 7-0 we, we won't
0: see a lot. <laughs> we had some more fun highlights on that one. You can check those out on our website as well. And uh, one that we weren't able to go to, but we were shocked to find, Lisbon, with a 28-14 to 14 win over Hillsborough Central Valley. How about that? HCV started the year off with a big win over Mayport. They appeared to be they firing great, all yeah. cylinders. Lisbon came into their house and handed them a 28-14 uh, loss. So we'll see what Liz. we are probably going to have to start paying a little bit more attention to Lisbon. The Broncos yeah. might be might be legit this year, so we're going to pay way more attention to what's going on out there. Now, uh, taking a quick glance over at 9-man, uh, Sargent County uh, now moving to 2-0 and in their first season at the 9-man level. Uh, they played Oak Grove. They beat Oak Grove 47 to seven. Uh, Lamar Marion with a 66 to nothing win over Enderlin. There and there was another 70 burger around here. Let me find it. Though no, there's two in Region Two: North Prairie with a 74 to 24 win over Laramore and Saint John with a 72 to 36 win over Midway Minto. So the uh, the nine-man games continue to not be particularly close even the 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 team that many consider to be the top one in nine man defending state champions new salem Allmont, a 30 nothing win uh overhead under scranton so the top teams in nine yeah. man appear to be dominating the early action so far we're going to try to get out there to a nine-man game next we we just have so much going on around here um
1: yeah it's, it's tough
0: but yeah no. coming up next we'll talk a little bit more about what we expect to see next week as uh, high school football season continues. But it's been a, an interesting couple of weeks. There's been a lot of things that have gone kind of the way we thought it would with just enough surprises in there. Like I, I feel like in high school sports, it tends to be the team that you think is gonna be good is you know the team with either the most players or uh, the longest history, they tend to be good. But then yeah. this year we seem to have, like uh, Kindred for example, who's been very successful just the last few seasons uh, alone but then
1: you have some surprises like Lisbon stunning HCV so it, it takes a minute for high school teams to rotate in or out enough Correct. talent to make a huge difference obviously random upsets and weird things can happen we saw that with Cheyenne last year where on paper That team was was good enough to go all the way to state, if not win it, and then boom, first round you're out. So which is you know the nature of sports entirely. But it's uh, that's why you play the games. (laughs) Interesting to see because then you have Century who made that huge run, sort of out of nowhere. That you know you get these sort of different teams to make these big different moves. Um,
0: Going from football to football, uh, Davies and Shanley are the only unbeaten EDC teams left already. Uh, Davies, of course, is 2-0. and I sent you... Hey, Davies a, big shocker. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I sent you a very yeah. fun stat that I think it was... Davies soccer has not lost a regular season game since September of 2020. So we'll see how that continues. Unbelievable. They, and they, uh, they had a... I was at this game. Uh, their second win of the season came against Fargo North, and it got... Uh, There's some heat there between those two schools. Um, They've uh, switched some coaches (laughs) back and forth there, and yeah, no, the uh, that was one of the chippier soccer games I've ever seen. So you don't tend to hear that too often, I guess. But you know, Um, but yeah, uh, Shanley is also two zero and one. They're the only unbeaten EDC teams left. Um, However, in volleyball, we have three unbeaten teams still, and these were in tournaments too: Davies, Cheyenne, and North. All starting the year with multiple, multiple wins, and so uh, good, strong starts to them. As expect we expect that for
1: Cheyenne too.
0: Yeah, uh, we're going to move on to our spotlight story this week, and this time I'm taking it over. Uh, this one's mine. You uh, got it. <laughs> thank you. There <laughs> thank, you go. Thank you for letting me have <laughs> the spotlight for once. Um, Riley Sunram, a Division One commit to the University of Minnesota uh, for the Kindred Vikings. Funny, funnily enough, uh, one of the biggest kids I've ever been around. <laughs> Uh, at 6'6, 280, I believe his measurements were. So he yeah, is, kid. yeah, no, he's going to go play defensive line for the Minnesota uh, Golden Gophers. And of course, that story, I feel, has been done to death. But one thing that hasn't been done to death is the fact that he is on every single special team besides kickoff return. He kicks off for the Vikings, he kicks field goals and extra points for the Vikings, he punts for the Vikings. He had some booming puns against Central Cast too. So, uh, no, and th- there was an unexpected angle that I had totally blanked on when I went to go talk to him. Uh, Coach mentioned it to me that his sister actually beat him out for the starting kicker job his sophomore year. And then I was like, oh, I did that story two years ago on Jordan <laughs> Sunram becoming the first female football player in the history of the Kindred football team. And now, here I am doing a story on her brother, who is one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen in my entire life, and also is very good at kicking. So, <laughs> what
1: are you yeah, you know,
0: and like, um, I asked him, by the way, this didn't make the package, so I'm gonna go ahead and just mention it here. I asked him if he's bringing in, uh, um, bringing the kicking game with him to Minnesota. And he said, no, he's just gonna focus on D-line. And well. I didn't push the issue further.
1: That's as far as we know yet. Right, right.
0: When Maybe P.J. Fleck will see this story on this podcast that he's definitely going to listen to, and then he will be like, you know what? kid's going to kick. Anyway, no more he wasting then, time. He would then
1: change, change up everything. He's like, yes, this is what I'm doing now.
0: Well, let's check it out. This is Riley Sunram, a large human being and kicker for the Kindred Vikings. He stands out on either side of the field for the Kindred Vikings. Whether it's moving bodies on the offensive line or making tackles on the defensive line, it's hard to miss Minnesota Gopher commit Riley Sunram. The 6'5", 280-pounder has made a name for himself for his play in the trenches but also contributes in a way many wouldn't expect. Sunram is also the kicker and punter for the Vikings, doing everything he can to help his team succeed. If I'm the best kicker. I guess I'll do the kicking. It's not. It's not that bad for me. So I enjoy it too. It's just a little different. But I wasn't. I wasn't great at it right away. It obviously took some learning. But am um, just doing whatever I can for the team. He's
1: got an awesome leg, and he's a really good athlete. So um, he had. I think it was three or four punts on on uh, Friday night where he totally flipped the field. And that was such an advantage for us defensively. He's three for three on PATs, and we always say it, points are points. They all matter. So. Uh, he's a really skilled player so he's in that role.
0: Kicking seems to run in the family here. His sister Jordan was the kicker for the Vikings during Riley's sophomore season becoming the first female football player in school history in the process. Riley who said that he actually lost the kicking job to Jordan that season gives her the credit for unlocking this kicking gene.
1: She just played soccer so she kind of knows all that kicking (laughs) stuff but uh, we don't really have soccer in the family so she was the first one to kind of
0: do that. But yeah, she just kind of taught me how to do it and I kind of learned. So it it was nice for me to have her do that for me. If you go to a Kindred game this season, you'll see a lot of Riley on the field. He's on offense, defense, and every special team besides kickoff return. A level of versatility that has set him apart as one of the top prospects
1: in the state, he's, he's going to do what he can for his team to be put in a good position. And if that's kicking um, the extra point, if that's punting on fourth down rather than going to the sideline and getting a drink of water, that's what he's going to do. And it's awesome. Don't really brag about it, I would say. But I mean, if someone tries to kick against me, I guess I could say I'm, I've kicked a 50-yarder
0: before, so that's that's kind of my my bragging point there. Thank you, of course, to the Kindred Vikings for letting me come out to practice and talk to Riley Riley don't let uh the fact that your sister beat you out for that kicking job get you down you you still got the minute you still got Minnesota coming up can't do him like that no I mean he was the first to admit so I mean (laughs) he he, and he he even said he was like yeah I got kind of tasked with the job my freshman year I was really not good at it and then Jordan (laughs) came in and beat and beat him for it and then yeah no next thing you know he's uh she teaches him how to kick a little bit better and now he's the kicker (laughs) Um, Coming up next this week on Valley News Live, a lot of fun stuff. Obviously, uh, a lot of the focus is going to be on North Dakota State playing at U.S. Bank Stadium. Mm -hmm. We're going to have sound from North Dakota State's football players today about getting to play in that game. So be sure to tune in to Valley News Live. And if, say, you're not listening to this on Tuesday when it comes out, you should be, but it's fine. Some some people are late. Uh, You can go back on our website, valleynewslive.com, and listen to uh, what they had to say about it. Uh, Jack, we're going to be... We're, we're finally going to get the, uh, the story on the air of Quincy Vaughn switching from uh, quarterback to tight end. It's been a busy been, week, so it's we'll, been get it. A very busy <laughs> we'll get week. this down. But, uh, and that, that one has been in the works for a while, and you said you got some really good stuff up at UND from it. Yeah. So uh, we'll get that on this week, so stay tuned for that. Minnesota high school football begins. Because we haven't had enough to do uh, with the North Dakota side of things. Throw it in. <laughs> um, mo- uh, our, mo- our One of our big games that we have coming up, we'll talk about when I say the Friday Night Live lineup, but we do have a game on Thursday as well for football day in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, the Moorhead Spuds in action at home on Thursday night to kick off their season. So we will be there, of course. Friday Night Live for week two, officially, because we had week zero. Uh, Big one. DGF and Barnesville. Uh, Two uh, powers at their respective levels. Barnesville at 2A, DGF at 3A. Both went to their state championship games last year. They had different results. DGF falling in one of the more shocking ways I've ever seen. Yeah. With one of the wildest plays I've ever seen and barnesville winning their first ever state title so Mm -hmm. uh big stuff coming up there uh we're gonna be in west fargo for our 3a teams matching up davies at cheyenne and shanley at west fargo and then kindred just keeps getting these high profile games to start the year uh they're gonna be hosting hillsborough central valley so that's what we have on deck for right now we're of course gonna be looking to add more we'll see what we can get through various sources i will not reveal my source you can't get me to
1: hyper secret sources. Yes, yes, <laughs>
0: top secret media information. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, that's what the Friday Night Live looks lineup looks like right now. Stay tuned to see what we actually get, um, and then yes, stay tuned to see what we have coming up this weekend. Fun stuff at U.S. Bank Stadium. We're gonna can't wait. We're gonna be on the air as much as we possibly can be <laughs> uh, with uh, the different delays and whatnot that we have in yeah. the shows. So stay tuned. Schedule might look a little weird, but we will be there. Thank you for joining us for this. Another episode of Valley News Live Sports Overtime, and we will see you on TV.